Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. We also are very grateful to be completing our series today on the infinite flow. Our adventure in prosperity has been a beautiful adventure. A four-week adventure today culminates in this uh, opportunity for, for Josh and I to share this platform and, and talk about the infinite flow. And specifically today, we want to share our best practices for remaining in the flow. The, the whole uh, committee that worked together to brainstorm this, came up with this theme, uh, contributed ideas to the music team for songs, which I'm so appreciative that, that Tom and Jennifer uh, considered very beautifully, that Jennifer utilized ideas and concepts in the decorations that are here on our platform. We intended to represent flow, so you see the elements of like a river up there flowing, elements of different uh, traditions, such as the beautiful uh, Western tradition that includes a picture of Jesus up there, Laughing Jesus includes uh, the, the god Ganesh, which is the remover of all obstacles from the Hindu faith, and many other symbols that we wanted to have available to bring in the notion and the awareness for all of us that we always remain in the flow and that our work is a continual awakening to the obstacles that we ourselves have allowed or have placed in the flow of our own good, and that we're the ones who are getting in the way of our own good. It's not God, it's not anybody else. And so today we're bringing best practices to get out of our own gosh darn way. That's what it should have been called, right? I didn't hear that subtitle. I like that. Get out of our own gosh darn way. Gosh darn it. And to start us off, Josh is going to share a couple of his practices, and I'm going to sit here with rapt attention. Uh Aha. Watch for a yawn. Watch for a yawn. The first practice that I want to share is to learn to embrace abundance wherever you are. Learn to embrace abundance wherever you are. In other words, if you can't find abundance here, you'll never find it anywhere. And we often associate abundance with material wealth and well-being around us, which totally makes sense, but we can forget that abundance primarily is a consciousness. It's a kind of awareness. It's how we who are in deep spiritual practice can really learn to appreciate our lives. And there's often a quote that echoes in my mind, it's from Aldous Huxley. And he reminds us that we human beings have an infinite capacity for taking things for granted. And I was hearing it yesterday you know, with my little daughter, watching her on her scooter in the playground, little distractions going on in my mind, just saying, appreciate, appreciate this. Teaching my son how to drive, he went on the freeway for the first time last night. <laughs> have some faith in our Gavin. Oh, he did just, great. You just, gave, uh, you just gave Mary Kay a panic attack down there in the front. <laughs> but I, could, I, I did have to pay attention to the road for him. But, you know, again, that, that, that desire to take it for granted. I was eating a favorite meal yesterday, and I had to pause and say, am I really experiencing this meal in wholeness? The thing about the infinite flow is we begin to lose it when we start to think that we direct it. When the truth is, is that we can always find it right here and it can always carry us forward and along. 
I got to speak last week about moving against the flow, and after service, one of our congregants, Harold Pratt, came to see me, better known as Norby's husband, uh, both beloved congregants here. And every year during the summer, they go to Utah, and they take a canoe trip through the Green River. And one year, he was sharing with me, he ran into some government officials who were in canoes as well, and got to speaking with them, and they admitted to him that they were actually scouting a place to put a new dam. And this so disturbed Harold that he went immediately to his campsite, and he wrote a poem called Think Like a River. And I can't share the whole poem, it's online on our watch page if you want to see it, but here's a portion. Think like a river. The heart of a river is its freedom. The freedom to flow unrestricted, unaltered, and undiminished. Its ability to nourish and provide lies in its freedom to give and take on its own terms, to take from one sandbar and give to another, to erode here and deposit there, to destroy one floodplain and fertilize another. To mankind, this may appear capricious, unknown, and without purpose. To a river, it is the cycle that brings life to its flora and fauna and sculptures the art forms of the canyon. A river that is controlled can only provide to that narrow channel in which it has been commanded to stay. Maybe civilization has a better plan for the river. Who knows? But a river without freedom is a river without spirit. And a land without a soul may produce a people without a will. Who knows? Don't we have the most incredible people in our congregation? Thank you for that, Harold. And it speaks to the environmental urgency, but when we think of the river of our own life, that it has its own spirit, and when we get caught up trying to put some over here or thinking it ought to be there or thinking we ought to be this way or that way, we miss it right here in this right now moment to flow with and to allow it to lead us onward. And so making appreciation the centerpiece of our day to experience the abundance of life becomes so vital. Uh, There's a famous YouTube video, came out several years ago, uh, about a Swedish man who's a survivalist, and he's spending a year in Antarctica, and it's really cold there, and part of it is there are little, like, care packages that he hid for himself all the way around, and he's starving. He hasn't eaten in days, and he finds one of these places that he's left for himself, and he's not expecting to find any food there, and he's digging through the bag, and there, all of a sudden, you know what's there? Cheese doodles. (laughs) And then some chocolate. And then Mentos, the fresh maker. Mentos. And you begin to hear this exuberant joy come from his soul. Cheese doodles! <laughs> Food! Candy! That immense joy of life. And it's a beautiful expression of the human spirit. And it's also a reminder that most people experience their abundance, their true abundance in life, because of deprivation right? By denying ourselves or being denied things that we want, then we discover them and we truly appreciate them. But there's got to be a better way, right? Than just deprivation. And I believe that there is. It's spiritual practice and making appreciation an intentional part of our daily life. What is meditation but appreciating what is in the present moment? What is affirmative prayer other than appreciating what it is that we seek to become for us and those that we love and for our world. Intentional appreciation, it means finding your abundance here and now no matter what is going on. And I have a little homework assignment for when you go home or right after service for those that are watching online. I invite you sometime this week or today to make a commitment not to call anything new in to your your house, 
You know, we always want something new. I'm going to binge this new Netflix show. Don't do that. Instead, go find a book that you haven't read in 10 or 15 years and read it again. See what you notice. Don't call in the DoorDash. Go into your cupboards. Find those water chestnuts or kidney beans that are way in the back there that have been there for a few years. Cheese doodles! <laughs> Find those cheese doodles. And, and, and make something delicious for yourself. Eat it, eat it alone and in silence or with those whom you love. Instead of sending that text or Facebook commenting on your friend's old post, try pulling out a piece of paper and a pen and writing a letter. When was the last time you wrote a letter? Little everyday appreciations create infinite flow. They help us to understand the flow that's all around us all the time and to use it and let it use us effectively in our life. Nisafi, the great Islamic teacher, said, Fishes asking what water was went to a wise fish. He told them that it was all around them, yet they still thought they were thirsty. So embrace abundance wherever you are, Michelle. Does that, that work for you? Any comments? It does, yeah, because it feels like um, to be in the flow, I have to be an open channel for good mm-hmm. at all times and appreciation. I talked in the first week about the widening of the lens. Appreciation is an immediate widening of our spirit, of our presence right in the now moment. So I love that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. Alan Ginsberg said, you know, once you truly see something and behold it vividly, it becomes sacred. Mm-hmm. Or Mary Oliver said, attention is the beginning of devotion. And all that's, that, that we're being asked for is to find that infinite flow through appreciation here and now, and it moves us forward in our lives. I appreciate how you come up with quotes like that. I don't know where you come up with them. But I just, I just I make them yeah. I just make <laughs> them up. He makes them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next tip that I want to share with everyone is to um, embrace your nature. Embrace the nature of your life. And for us religious scientists, it can seem sometimes that we have a a split personality in spirituality. Hear me out here and see if you relate. Um, Part of us is very much about prosperity, prosperity gospel. Uh, And a lot of us, however, are also kind of naturalists. So there's this part of us that's all about finding more and more out of our lives, more and more abundance, more and more prosperity, more and more manifestations, more, more, more. And that's beautiful and excellent, better and better. I love it. And yet there's this other side of a lot of us that is very much to everything there is a season to seek to be like the seasons in our lives, to recognize the cyclical aspects of beautiful Mother Earth around us. We recognize that there are times of great prosperity and abundance, but also great and important times of letting go. And I think it's important for us to learn not to dismiss either of these sides, but to learn how we can bring them together to live in greater harmony. Uh, For two straight years in my life, I consulted the ancient Chinese oracle known as the I Ching, or Book of Changes. Uh, And it's an oracle, it's kind of like uh, tarot cards, things like that. And and my usual rule, I don't know what yours is, Michelle, is as long as you realize the power's in you and it's speaking through these things, there can be really, really cool. And and it's an ancient Chinese practice. And there are 64 hexagrams and you can put together these sticks or you can flip coins and and it brings you to different places that mark the cyclical changes in your subjective and outward journey. And one of my favorite ones that I would get was called the zenith. 
And it's about living in that time of great abundance. And the wisdom might go something like when, when you're in a time of a fullness, it's like riding a wave, surfing on a wave. But if you meddle with the wave, you're going to fall off. And if you start thinking about when it's going to be over, you're not going to be present anymore and that abundance is going to slip away. Some of its advice goes like this. Such a time of abundance is usually brief. Therefore, a sage may well feel sad in view of the decline that must follow. But such sadness does not befeat him. Only a man who is inwardly free of sorrow and care can lead in a time of abundance. He must be like the sun at midday, illuminating and gladdening everything under heaven. I love that. Be like the sun in midday. What is that like for you? To live at the heights of an abundance awareness, to be fully in the infinite flow. Yet at the same time, what does it mean to be like a reflecting moon, looking back at your world to gain new insights and lessons on how to be and how to live? What does it mean to be open like the sky, empty of all that you have gathered on your journey, but open to brand new possibilities? What does it mean to be in the fullness of the winter of your life? Not to be cold or mean to others, but to draw so within you that you discover your inner resource and your inner strength in a new way. And for me, this is how we bring the prosperity and the cyclical nature of being together by recognizing there's abundance in all of those aspects of life. It looks different. Some we may enjoy more than others. But ultimately, when we can find richness in all stages, no matter what is going on, we are now living life from heart instead of affected by just conditions around us. And by living from that heart, we have within us all we need to help transform and uplift those conditions. I feel an insight for me as you're talking you know, so beautifully and po- poetically about this point, Josh, for us as spiritual leaders in this community. Because... Uh, a series like this, I said at the beginning, often people are hesitant to be part of because there's some, something within us sometimes that doesn't trust that churches and ministers aren't just out to get our money and take money from us. And what I know is true of us as we're leading this community is that it's the both and in the things you're talking about that you and I uh, believe absolutely and fervently that God is the source of this church, that the abundant nature of God is flowing, and that there are ebbs and flows that happen in people's lives and in our life together. And yet a huge part of our work together and as leaders is to constantly lean into that flow and trust it and see it and be a part of the both and no matter what's happening. Well, like, I'm going to take some notes on that one. That's good. That's good for me to hear. <laughs> so, so what do you have for us today, Well, what Michelle? I have for us today is, uh, starts out my point uh, that I want to talk about that feels like it's an for me, an undergirding of everything we've discussed in this whole series uh, starts out and comes from a story uh, that I experienced a number of years ago. I was at lunch with a colleague of mine in Arizona. She was the minister of the Prescott Church in Arizona, and I was in Scottsdale. Her name was Reverend Kathleen Sibley. She's a hoot, and she's an amazing minister. And prior to ministry, she had worked in a legal office. And we were talking about talks we'd created and brainstorming together, and she told me about a talk she had created 
co-created out of a real-world experience that had happened. Her firm had represented the actress uh, Lindsay Lohan in uh, some charges that were leveled against Lindsay when she was found carrying drugs that were illegal. And Kathleen said that the arrest went down like this. The police officers uh, grabbed Lindsay and they cuffed her and they searched her. And when they reached into her pocket, she had a wad of something. I don't think that Kathleen told me what it was, some illegal substance. And when they pulled it out and Lindsay looked at it, Lindsay's immediate defense was, these are not my pants. And I said to Kathleen, you're kidding me. And she said, no, she really said, these are not my pants. And so I said, that's just amazing. And, and then Kathleen went on to tell me that in numerous cases where people were caught doing things that they were not supposed to be doing that were illegal, they would try to distance themselves and not take accountability or responsibility for the fact that they'd put something in their pants in their pocket or uh, were carrying something that they shouldn't or were where someplace where they shouldn't be and that the uh, number of excuses that people made to get out of being accountable for I made a bad choice and I'm gonna be present to it were crazy and wild and that they had to defend these people. And so uh, she had created and I then created a whole talk about accountability called these are not my pants. <laughs> and while I'm not going to give that entire talk today, uh, I wanted to share that story and that, that awareness because I think a huge part of what's important for us as we're in this experience of the flow is allowing ourselves to awaken to our accountability for our lives. Now, our teaching and every faith tradition on the planet has a story of creation about how things happen to us. Does God send lessons? Does God do this? Does God do that? Do, are, are we a part of that? And we dance with that and we explore that and uh, I think that there's lots of theories about that and everybody gets to land where they are. But there's this bottom line thing for all of us, no matter whether, what faith we're part of, is that no matter what has happened to us, ultimately we're accountable for what we become and do out of that. And so where we sometimes get disconnected with the flow is that we're just simply not willing to be accountable for the conditions or circumstances that are in our lives. Maybe we weren't part of creating them. Maybe we, someone else, uh, contributed to the way things are in our life or did something. But ultimately, there comes a moment for every person who gains their strength and steps back into the flow of the infinite abundance where they say to themselves, I don't care who did what or who said what or to who took what or what happened, I got to get back into the flow. I'm accountable and responsible for what happens next in my life and I'm gonna step in. And what keeps us from that a lot of times is blame. We create crazy blame stories just like Lindsay. Well, I didn't even, these are not even my pants. Well, that's not even my fault. Well, I didn't really even have anything to do with that. Uh, and we create all sorts of uh, blame stories, which Josh d uh, talked about very beautifully last Sunday, very powerfully. So we understand that we have to stop completely blaming anyone for the condition we're in. We also have to surrender our victimhood. Now, here's the truth about that. 
I know that all of us have had moments where we have been or felt victimized by another person, by conditions, situations in the world. I'm not saying that that's not our truth, that we haven't experienced that, that we deny that. We have to deal with those times when we felt victimized in some way. We have to be with those emotions and do that healing work. But there comes a point where we learn to surrender that. The the thing that I get concerned about is that, that some of us have invested so much in ourselves as victim that we are uh, continuing to victimize ourselves and we're so focused on our victimhood that we're not letting ourselves have our victorhood. We're not letting ourselves be triumphant. We're not letting ourselves transcend the conditions. And I've watched and heard stories recently from people in this church who have told me blatantly that being here and doing the work that we call people to do and letting themselves surrender back into the flow has literally saved their lives recently, has saved their heart, has saved their their literal life, has saved them so that they could step back into the fullness of their life and begin to practice these things that we're talking about and appreciate their life and be present to their life and give up their old stories and give up their old sense of victimhood and surrender it up and embrace ownership of their life and say, this is my life. These conditions, as icky as they are, if I'm in them, there's something here for me to do and be. If I'm in them, there's something here for me to do and be to move forward and begin to be more successful and to begin to allow the flow to support me in that. I love what the great Viktor Frankl says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So I'm calling us today to be accountable for stepping back into the flow. And when we take ownership like this, we begin to be guided powerfully so that we can do some healing for ourselves. We can feel the the guidance of the healing work that is ours to do so that we can forgive and we can let go and we can surrender that sense of victimhood and claim our own life back to ourselves. And we also then begin to, to discover where we we might want to get support or get help. All of us need help along the way, especially when we have those strong feelings of disconnect from the source. We begin to discover the practices that might serve us best, the concepts that might serve us. We even begin to start to think more positively when we become more accountable for our lives. When we say, this is my life, the conditions that I'm in are mine, I'm going to be present to them, fully present to them, just as they are, and move forward. I find myself being pulled into positivity. And then we begin to focus on what I can give instead of what I can get. Sometimes when we're in blame and victimhood, we want to resolve it by getting something from something or someone. If that person would just tell me why they did this to me. My mother is fond of saying, why is the booby prize? Why is the thing, knowing why something happened, it's interesting, but it doesn't always give us the relief we think we're gonna get. And many of us spend years wondering, why, why did this happen to me? And yeah, sometimes that helps, but the more powerful place is, what am I gonna do about this now? How am I gonna be with this now? Doesn't matter why it happened. How am I gonna use it to my greatest benefit? How am I gonna use it to get back in the river? How am I gonna use it to remind myself of the flow? How am I gonna use it to become a better person, a happier person, a more fulfilled person? 
And I think when we begin to do this, we, return, we start to return ourselves to what I would call our factory settings. The factory setting is in the flow. Our truth is in the flow. When we're in that place, we are in that flow and we can feel it and it guides us and it calls us. Are those your pants, Josh? I, I am ready today to declare a new level of accountability for my pants. <laughs> Good. Good. Yay. Then I have done my work here today, ladies and gentlemen. Please say with me, these are my pants. <laughs> Very good. Your, your, your beautiful sharing reminds me of a, a story from uh, Schwingza, a great uh, Taoist teacher and teacher of the infinite flow. He just tells a simple story that, uh, that you know, when you're crossing a river to get the other, to the other side and there's another boat that hits you and there's a man in it, you tend to scream at that man. But if you were crossing a river in a boat and an empty boat hit you, you'd most likely not scream at that boat. You would just keep working to get to the other side. I, t- I shared that story with my wife, and she said, no, 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 I would yell, whose damn boat is this? <laughs> but the, the, the point being, we get so distracted by what gets in our way right. and can sometimes turn that into the purpose of our lives that we forget where it is that we're, we're going. And I, I love that term, victorhood. Is that it's that ability not to not recognize that we've been victimized or hurt in some way, but to keep our eyes on where we're trying to go. Yep, and that's the stuff that some of the most amazing stories of humanity have come from. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Thank you, Josh. This has been fun. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, thank you. So with that, we invite your participation in prayerfulness now. I invite our practitioner prayer partners to stand right where they are and join us in this moment of prayer. We begin by breathing in the very breath of life and recognizing that with each breath, we are demonstrating to ourselves the truth of the flow that we live in every single moment as we breathe in and breathe out. Life sustaining us through the breath, our body sustaining us, oxygen sustaining us. We are at all moments in the flow, whether we recognize it or not, whether we're experiencing it or not. And it's just... One moment of mindfulness like this where we can remind ourselves that we are in the flow, get present, appreciate, allow ourselves to really fully embrace and become fully accountable for our own experience of that flowingness, whether it's the breath, whether it's the abundance of life, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a resource, whether it's financial good, whether it's joy, whether it is connection, whatever it might be that our our heart and our soul and our body is yearning for, we call ourselves first to the divine flow the godly flow that is the true nature of our being and allow ourselves to be gently guided down the river of life with great wisdom and light. I know that this is true of each one of us at all times and therefore I affirm, I accept, I proclaim right here and right now this holy truth as the very essence of us. I declare that as each one of us goes forth into our lives this week, encountering the decisions we make, the relationships we have, the conditions of our living, that we are more conscious and more aware of all of these opportunities to appreciate and be present to the beauty of our living just as it is, as we also awaken to the limitlessness of the good that is ours. 
And so we stand poised beautifully in that true nature and live our lives full out, knowing that we are the infinite flow. We live in the infinite flow. And we just say yes to it. Giving thanks that this is the truth of us now, I release this prayer into the action of that law that makes it so. I let go and let God and let it be so. And together we say, and so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.